an initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Father Henry, members of the board, members of the faculty and staff, parents, family, and friends of the class of 2013, and most especially you graduates of the class of 2013, I bring my fondest greetings and my congratulations. I can't tell you how delighted I am to be here today with you in this faith-filled place. So thank you very much for honoring me with this doctorate and, and for having me. I'm, I'm very proud to be here. And this is a joyous occasion, and I'd say let's try to keep it joyous, and I think it would probably help that if I don't talk too long. It makes me, makes me think of that time in the Army when the general, uh, who would uh, occasionally get all the troops together and have an all-hands talk, and he was going on and on and on, and finally there was a young lieutenant right down in the front row who kind of deftly started edging out and heading for the rear, and the general stopped, and he said, uh, <clears throat> Lieutenant, he said, uh, where are you going? And he stopped abruptly and turned, and he said, Sir, I'm going to get a haircut. He said, a haircut? He said, why didn't you get a haircut before you came here? He said, Sir, with all due respect, I didn't need a haircut when I came here. <laughs> as, uh, as I was preparing my remarks, I, I realized that you, the class of 13, are now, and I are now classmates here at Franciscan University of Steubenville. You'll have gotten your degree the hard way. You earned it. And me, I, I got mine. I just showed up. And uh, <laughs> it's like a miracle. And, uh, Speaking of miracles reminds me of an experience uh, I had uh, first or second night I got to Rome as the ambassador. They had a diplomatic reception, which they had one of just about every evening. And I was having a nice conversation with a, an archbishop who worked in the Curia. His name was Novak. And it was finally kind of time to move on. And, uh, and I, I said to him, uh, I said, Your Excellency, I said, uh, what, what do you do here in, in the Curia? And he said, well, uh, with a little twinkle in his eye, he said, well, Ambassador, he said, actually, he said, what I do is I make saints. And sure enough, he was the secretary of the Congregation for the Cause of Sainthood. And uh, so I said to him, I said, uh, how can I get on your good side? <laughs> and uh, he said, well, you could start with a miracle, Ambassador. And the Canadian Ambassador was standing right nearby, and he said, well, you know, some people in the United States think he, he has already performed a miracle. He got George W. Bush elected president. And, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, but that was, that was no miracle, and neither is the fact that you're here today graduating from this extraordinary institution. And it, it's, it's a product of your aptitude and your hard work, and if my intuition is not failing me, it's probably also the product of no small amount of personal prayer. So when I went to Rome as a U.S. ambassador in 2001, I began immediately hearing uh, comments and questions from people. We had a lot of visitors, and they asked if, uh, if I'd ever been to the Franciscan College Steubenville and I, uh, University, and I said, no, I haven't. But the, the comments that I got, including those of the Curia, which, as you all know, is made up of a, of a universal body from all over the world, uh, 
would bring up this, this school, and it was raised in the context of a bastion of, of, of excellence, an outpost of conservative Catholic orthodoxy in higher education, and in in, in one that is so faithful to the magisterium of the church, and that was recognized and appreciated in Rome, believe me. So I feel especially lucky to be here in this year of the faith, and having been invited uh, here to this community of faith, virtue, knowledge, and self-control, as you like to say here, I know, and, and to be here to witness your spirit and, and also the great joy of this occasion. You know, they, they call today commencement, which is, of course, appropriate, because it marks a time when you seniors are commencing a new phase of your life. Commencing a new challenge is always stimulating and exciting and certainly can sometimes be uh, a little unsettling regardless of, of our station, believe me. When I was a boy growing up in rural Iowa, I was one of seven children in a family with a chronic alcoholic father and a very, very devout, devoted mother. We lived for a number of years in a deserted tenant farmhouse without electricity and without plumbing. But it was faith and prayers that pulled us through. And my little mother, who did graduate from high school as a valedictorian of her class, studied Latin for four years and always corrected our grammar, always, to her grave. But she was unable to go to college. But she used to read to us, uh, and, and including read the Bible around a little kerosene lantern we had, and she would often say to us, and we were very often hungry and, and generally quite discouraged, she'd say, if you will just hang in there and work hard and study hard, and she always said, and pray hard, you're going to do just fine in this country of ours. And how she was able to maintain that, that optimistic spirit has always kind of baffled me, but as I grew older, and in reflecting on it, it was clearly her unfledging faith in God's providence and in the power of prayer. And of course, she was right. All seven of us went to college, four have postgraduate degrees. I have an older brother who's a retired general, and his son is now a two-star general, commands the 82nd Airborne Division in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, I have a sister who's a prominent uh, social worker, and two are retired teachers. So if you were to ask me today what I wanted you to remember from this short time we're having here together at your commencement, your graduation, uh, the odds are, of course, that you probably wouldn't even remember who spoke to you. Uh, that would be the norm. I, I do, however, remember who spoke at my graduation at West Point. It was Vice President Johnson. And my dad went to sleep and slept through the whole thing. <laughs> But my answer to you uh, would be uh, that I hope you will pursue your dreams and your goals with a gusto and remember to employ two weapons to help you through all the crises and challenges that will come your way. And they are to be prayerful and to be persistent. Certain things surface, you know, in one's reflections on their past. And so I will ask you, if you remember nothing else of what I said today, try to remember this. And that is that when the going gets tough, and it will on occasion, resort to prayer. God doesn't want you to fail. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying, and you've all heard this, my yoke is easy, my burden light. God doesn't want us to be unhappy either. He does, though, I believe, want us, you, to exercise the freedom of will that he gave you
and he invites you to ask him through prayer for help. And I am living proof, I think, of that power and that constancy. When I graduated from West Point, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to get married. I lived there four years and wanted to get out. And so I did. I was out five years, and I spent a year in Vietnam in an infantry scout battalion. It was often pretty hairy, and I prayed daily that I would prayed for two things. I prayed that I would live through this experience, and if I did, that I would, when I got home, I would find somebody that I would fall in love with and get married, because I really wanted to get married, and I prayed, you know, when we weren't engaged and so forth. They had a lot of downtime, and I prayed a lot, and uh, prayed a lot to the Blessed Mother, and uh, sure enough, uh, after I came home, I was posted to West Point to go to graduate school at Columbia in New York, and within three months, I met a woman there in the Hudson Valley. And one year later, uh, we got married, and we've now been married 46 years next month. And it's, uh, it's the most tremendous thing that ever happened to me. So, so if, you're, if, you're, if you decide not to be a priest or a nun, you know, find, find a good mate with God's help. It's a wonderful, wonderful institution. Another example that I'd like to leave with you about the power of prayer, uh, it's very contemporary, but one morning at about 5 o'clock a.m., uh, I got a call from my chief of staff when I was Secretary of Veterans Affairs, and he always called me chief. And uh, he said, chief, he said, we've got a problem. I said, what's that, 5 in the morning? He said, well, he said, uh, quote, a knucklehead from the uh, Department of Technology took home his laptop and a hard drive, which was against regulations, lived in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. The guy had a PhD from Harvard in, in uh, computer science, too. This is public information, so I could even use his name, but I won't. But <laughs> lo and behold, a couple of common criminals broke into his home that evening while his wife and he were out for dinner, and they stole his laptop. But they incidentally uh, stole the hard drive as well, which is about the size of my wallet, about three inches square. On it uh, were recorded the names of every veteran in the United States of America, plus some who are deceased. There were 24 million names, dates of birth, and Social Security number of every living veteran, including me, in the United States. And now, it was out there in the hands of somebody who had all this information to, to do all the things that, you know, the scoundrels can do with that as far as identity theft is concerned. So I immediately called the White House, because this is a big deal, and I immediately started, started saying prayers to St. Anthony, which my dear mother also used to tell us, if you lose something or you lose your homework or something, you pray to St. Anthony. I started praying to him. This was a living hell, really, for about five weeks. I had special hearings uh, on the Hill in the Congress. Uh, I was up to $223 million in lawsuits from veterans organizations and so forth. And on the fifth week, on a Wednesday, I walked out of my office and had my driver take me over to St. Matthew's Cathedral there in Washington on Rhode Island and Connecticut, and I went to evening mass and it just happened that on Wednesdays, they, they process after Mass over to the side altar, which is the altar to St. Anthony, and they hand you a little poop sheet, and, and you read a, a prayer to St. Anthony. And I got in that line and processed over there, 
and uh, said the prayer, got back in my car and went back to the, what I was then calling the rock pile, which was my office, because uh, it was really, really pretty intense about this thing. And I got a call from my inspector general, George Opfer, who was also a Catholic, as it turned out, and he said, Secretary, he said, have you been praying to St. Anthony? <laughs> and I said, yes, George, why, why are you asking me? He said, because they found the bleep, uh, Ex expletive deleted. They found the, the thing. They found the, they found the hard drive. Again, think of it. It's the size of my wallet. They could have thrown it in a trash can in the Potomac River. He said they not only found it, but the FBI has conducted extensive forensic tests on it, and it has not been compromised. And I thought to myself, the power of St. Anthony is unbelievable to think that that happened, but it did. And uh, so it, just another personal example of, of what it can do for you. Uh, you know, as, as now graduates of the Franciscan College of Steubenville, you're entering into what uh, some would refer to, I suppose, as your adult phase. And you're doing it, I, I think, from a place like this at such a propitious time because we really need you. I can think of no time in my lifetime when the freedoms and the values that we've enjoyed as Catholics and as Americans have been more under assault than they are today. Never in my knowledge has the government of the United States attempted to tell religious organizations who does or does not qualify as one of their ministers. Never has it ordered employers to provide health services and abortifacient drugs to its workers even though it's against their own religion and their own conscience. Never has it launched such an attack on the solemnity of the sacrament of marriage between a man and a woman. One could go on and on, I think, about these incursions into our freedoms. What is freedom? The number one freedom is the freedom of religion, the freedom to follow your conscience and to follow the tenets of your own religion. Thomas Jefferson said, no provision in our Constitution ought to be dearer to man than that which protects the right of conscience against the enterprise of the civil authority. Jefferson said that then. There's a palpable downward drift in the traditional values of our society. Pope Benedict XVI aptly described this as the tyranny of secularism. But therein lies your mandate and your opportunity. You graduates are equipped like few others in our country to push back against this secular tyranny. You have been formed here and have come to maturity in an atmosphere that's rife with traditional orthodox values of our church and our country. You are now Franciscan University graduates, blessed with one of the best educations the world could provide. That, coupled with your leadership skills and motivation, can become immovable objects in first stemming and then reversing this downward cultural drift. A democratic society, in the words of Bishop Tom Olsted, says, the needs, the, it needs the active participation of all citizens, people of faith included. We cannot be frightened into silence or muzzled by charges of imposing our morality on others. 
people of faith engaging on issues on the basis of what they believe is not an imposition on, on others' morality or atheism to which they have a right. It is acting with courage and integrity. This, this can be a joyful struggle, just as you have experienced here at this university. It too can be a love-filled endeavor, just as I guess this has been for you, I'm sure. Jesus never had a walk in the park in trying to inform and conform his disciples or evangelize his flock in the way and in the truth. But he never stopped loving and never stopped giving second chances and never himself stopped working or praying. From one layman to another, and speaking to each of you individually, and I wish I could, could do that, I wish I could get to know each of you individually because you are, after all, my classmates. <laughs> I sincerely believe that, that our path back to a more free, God-fearing country with a more vital church is through prayer and persistence. There's an old aphorism in business that says the harder you work, the luckier you get. I believe that, and I also believe that the more you pray, the more grace you are given, and the more blessed your works become. We are a church of faith and hope, and this has sustained us for 2,000 years. You are our future. You are our new evangelists. And if you agree with me, that we Catholics and we Americans can do better and want to do so, then never has your opportunity to make a difference been greater. And more importantly, never has your opportunity for self-satisfaction and peace and joy been greater than to be in the vanguard leading our wonderful country and church back to the greatness that they are known for. So go for it, class of 2013. Go for it with gusto and have fun along the way. And remember, classmates, if we run into, in, in, into each other in an airport someday, I'm going to ask you the question and the answer, you know, just two simple words, prayer and persistence. God bless you all, and thank you for having me here, and God bless America. An initiative of Franciscan University of Steubenville. Faithandreason.com. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind.